You find an angel appear to Joseph in a dream and say, Arise. Herod's slaughtering the infants, and and, uh, the angel says to Joseph, Go quickly. An angel appears to Philip and says, Arise and go, and on and on and on. And so it's kind of monotonous, really, if you look at it, but they always say the, the same thing. Arise. Hurry. And honestly, the king's business does require haste, folks. And angels want to see people come to Christ. And so may God help you and I to take heed to this admonition from these angelic beings. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, let's take our Bibles, please, at this time, and turn to the book of Hebrews, and the first chapter, and and, uh, we're going to be studying something tonight from the Word of God that we haven't talked about for some time here, and actually, we're going to be dealing with it tonight and next week as well, and that is, what, what does the Bible have to say about angels and demons? And we're going to be talking tonight about uh, angels. Of course, demons are fallen angels, but this past Sunday, uh, as I was speaking, I, I made reference just in passing to angels, and I said something along the lines of it takes about three to four minutes for an angel to fly from the earth to heaven. And I thought nothing of it, but I looked out and I saw some looks like, what? You know, where'd you get that? And uh, so anyway, it got me thinking that maybe we should take a little bit of time and learn some things about what we would call angelology, the study of angels. We find here in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse number 13, it's talking about referring to God. It says, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, Hebrews, as was said recently, is, I guess, a book that talks a lot about the Levitical priesthood and the superiority of Christ and such. And and in reference to that, it's touting the the greatness of Christ and exalting him and comparing him to angels which are inferior. And with that in mind, verse 14 says, Are they, that is angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We're told here that, that angels are spirits. They're, they're ministering spirits. They are serving spirits, and, and, and they serve the Lord. And also, it mentions them ministering to us who shall be heirs of salvation. We'll be talking more about that in a little bit. But the Bible has a lot to say about angels. In fact, it's surprising how much it has to say about it, far more than it has to say about uh, demons. And, and so who are, who are these angels? They're found in, in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible. There's really something to this. Who are the archangels? What do angels look like? Are, are angels male or are they female? When did God create the angels? Do angels really have wings? You ever thought of some of these things? Do angels sing? Does the Bible prohibit praying to angels? How about do angels have free wills? Or can angels die? Or can angels get hurt, you know? Well, believe me, the Bible 
answers these things and more. The, the Hebrew word for angel is malak. The Greek word is angelus or angelus. We get the word Los Angeles, meaning city of angels, uh, from that. And, and in the Bible, both of these words mean messenger. So in, in the context, when, we, when we're talking about angels, they're described as the messengers of God. In popular culture, I guess, angels are always portrayed with, with uh, wings and such. But really, that's not the way you find most angels in the Bible. There are, there are cherubims, there are seraphims. We'll be talking about them later, but they're identified as winged creatures. But angels are known, of course, as, as angels. They are known as uh, the sons of God in some places. They are also described as the holy ones or, or, or heavenly hosts and such. And we are talking about holy creatures here. We're talking about intelligent creatures here. Uh, we're talking about uh, beings that, that have a free will and actually are even curious. We talked about that last Sunday briefly. We find this verse in 1 Peter 1.12. It mentions them that have preached the gospel unto you, which things the angels desire to look into. And I mentioned they're interested in what Christian people are doing, and they're interested in what we're doing here today. They're interested in the workings of, of this New Testament church, and they desire to look into those things. Now, as we study the Bible, we find out that angels have a free will. Uh, they're not robots. In fact, when we speak of the fallen angels, they're mentioned in, in Jude chapter 6. And those are angels that willingly rebelled. They have a free will. They have emotions. We find them shouting at the creation and, and singing and praising at the creation. We find them uh, rejoicing at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find them rejoicing when a soul gets saved. More about that later. So they have emotions. Now, what about the question of guardian angels? I uh, contacted Brother Venom here, and iron sharpened iron a little bit. He got sharpened by what I told him. But anyway, is there any such thing as guardian angels? Well, let me give you a verse. In Matthew 18 and in verse 10, Christ said, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. We talked about this a little bit. Are they on the, on the earth guarding people all the time? And how could, they, how could they be doing that if they're in heaven beholding the face of the Father and they're not omnipresent? More about that in a little bit. And, and so as we, we talked about this, we find here that there are they're ministering spirits. We saw that in our text right here in Hebrews chapter 1. Possibly assigned to certain people from what we find in the Bible. But apparently only our guardians, as it were, when the Lord sends them here to bail us out or, or to minister to us or whatever it might be, apparently they come and they go from heaven. Uh, we find there are verses that tell us they have an assignment, maybe their final assignment as far as guardian angels, we don't know, but maybe their last assignment is to escort us to heaven. We find a beggar dying in Luke 16. Christ says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom or what would have been paradise or heaven at that time. Uh, angels is plural, it could be two, it could be several. We don't know, it's more than one, but they escort us to heaven at death because we don't know the way right we've never been there before so they're going to take us there apparently but anyway next question is how many angels are there how many angels are there well there's no exact number given in the bible 
But we find Revelation 5.11, John says, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. And then it says in thousands of thousands. And so there's a bunch. There's over 7 billion people in the world today, and, and if... It's not, if God's not willing that any should perish, and there's enough for all of them to get saved, there's, there's probably billions of them. We don't really know. But we find here there's at least 100 million mentioned here. Uh, who is the leader of the angels? Ever thought about that? We find archangels mentioned. Um, we find Michael, and we find uh, Gabriel. Lucifer would have been perhaps one of the three at one time. More about him next week. But the, the Bible hints about these these archangels, but ultimately... Guess who their leader is? We find in 1 Peter 3.22, it mentions Jesus has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So he oversees the angels. Next question, what do angels look like? What do angels look like? Well, they're spirits. We know that. They're called ministering spirits. And, and apparently, they live in a certain dimension where it sees, you, you, you need certain kind of eyes to see them. I know that when the city of Dothan, back in Second uh, Kings chapter 6, was being held hostage, I think it was by the Assyrian army, uh, Elijah was able to see him. His assistant wasn't. And, and he said, God opened his eyes. And, and when the, the assistant could see it, uh, he saw angels standing everywhere and camped around the city of Dothan. And Elijah's point was there's more of us than there is of them. So they take on, I think, probably, though they're cherubims and, and they're seraphims and there are winged creatures, they also can look very much human. We find that found in the Bible. By the way, they're always men in the Bible. I mentioned that recently. And somebody emailed me and, and said, well, what about this verse? There's actually a radio listener. And uh, anyway, it wasn't talking about a woman angel. Although, although gals are angelic. Uh, it's been said they're always up in the air harping about something, and you know. So anyway, no, I'm just kidding, ladies. But uh, in, uh, in the Bible, we find that angels take on the form of men, and they can appear as in, in the form of very ordinary people. We find that Abraham receives a visit, a visit from three angels uh, just before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. One of them is actually Jesus Christ. And you find, you know, that, that word angel of the Lord sometimes in the Old Testament where Christ is making what we call a Christophany in the Old Testament, an appearance of, of, of Christ in the Old Testament. But those men who appeared to Abraham there and talked with him looked very much just like men. You know, I, I think of the uh, story where Gideon's parents were told that they were going to give uh, birth uh, in a miraculous way to Gideon, and, and they knew there was something special about this man who brought the message to, first of all, the wife, and then later on showed up to uh, Gideon's dad. But they knew he was something special when he uh, ascended up in this, this smoke, and that's when they really got scared. But they looked very much like, like men, like people. You may have passed by one today, and, and I'm not trying to sound extra spooky, but the Bible does say this in Hebrews 13 too. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You may have done this in your life. 
my wife and I um, had something really, really crazy happen to us on our honeymoon. I won't go into the details of it, but, but somebody bailed us out. To this day, we can't really recall what his face looked like. He came out of nowhere, and he was gone, and it was like, who was that masked man? And we've wondered to this day if, if that wasn't an angel. Our car was on fire on a, on a L.A. freeway, just to kind of tell you what was going on. And so anyhow, uh, you may entertain them unaware without really knowing. Now, something else about angels, they're not omnipresent. And by that, we're, we, we mean they cannot be everywhere at one time. In fact, turn to Daniel chapter 9. I might as well show you what I was referring to when I said it probably takes angels about three to four minutes to fly from the earth to heaven. And you're going to have to connect the dots here. In, in the book of Daniel, you find more than one instance where uh, Daniel is fasting and Daniel's praying and, and, uh, and an angel shows up with a message from heaven and so on. Sometimes, I don't have time to get into this, but, but we find, I think it was either Michael, or I think it was Michael got held up by a, by a devil or a demon that tried to keep him from delivering that message. But here in Daniel chapter 9, we find out that Daniel is fasting again. He's really setting his face to seek the Lord. He says so in verse 3. He says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, Mark that spot. This is where the prayer begins. O Lord, the great and dreadful God. Verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. This is all prayer. 13, 14, 15, 16. See in verse 16, he's still going on. O God, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, and so on. Verse 17. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant, and so on. Verse 18. O my God, incline thine ear. Verse 19. O Lord, hear, and so on. He's praying. Well, you get to verse 20. He says, and whiles I was, he must have been from the south, I don't know. But he says, and whiles I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whiles I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, that's an understatement, Touch me about the time of the evening oblation around three in the afternoon. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Notice verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee. At the beginning of his prayer, God said, Gabriel, get down there and show this man what he wants to know here. This afternoon, I read the prayer if you read it at an average pace, it's about three minutes. And Daniel may have been stopping and pausing and, and, you know, weeping. It could have been four minutes, could have been more. But it took about at least three to four to five or more minutes for Gabriel to make that trip. Now you know. That's how, it, how you know it takes three to four minutes for an angel to fly from heaven to earth. Now, here's the next question. And you might think this one's crazy. But do we become an angel when we die? And you say, come on. Well, you cannot believe how many people don't know the Bible who believe this. I, I remember songs from when I was a kid. Heaven must be missing an angel because you're here. And, and uh, Michael Landon's show, you know, heaven, what was that, highway to heaven. He was an angel and he came down. Now he's on these assignments. Even uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Remember Clarence the angel. He's trying to earn his wings. And he was a clockmaker back on earth, you know, before he died. And so there is a lot of thought that, 
Well, we become angels one day. Do we become angels when we die? No. Uh, Fact is, the angels were created before human beings, uh, separate, and apparently witnessed the creation uh, before man was created, before the earth was created. We find in Job 38 a little hint. Here's another name for angels, morning stars or sons of God. It's, it's, it's speaking in the previous verses about uh, just the amazement when God was creating everything. And then it says this, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. It was like God said, let there be light. And the angels went, oh, and uh, let there be water. Woo! And, and there was just like the angels being amazed as they watched God do all this. By the way, on a side note, do angels sing? You know, we, we looked at the nativity the last few weeks in Luke chapter 2, and, and everybody speaks of the angels singing at the birth of Christ and, and, and singing glory to God in the highest. No, the Bible says saying, saying is different than singing. But we find from this verse a hint that angels apparently sing when the morning stars sang together. And uh, so, yeah, most likely they do, but most of the time in the Bible, we find them just speaking. Now, angels were created before the world and man. And so, no, they, we, don't, we don't become angels when we die. Um, actually, we're separate. In fact, in Psalm 8 and verse 4, the Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Of course, you recognize the devil quoting this one when he was tempting Christ there after the fasting for 40 days. But it's talking about man. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And it mentions the son of man uh, that thou visitest him. And it mentions making him lower than the angels. So we are not the same thing as angels and we do not become angels when we die. Um, We find here also the... uh, I think there's one more verse. In Psalm 148 and verse 2, it says, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, notice this, and they were created. And the point is, God created the angels. They are different from human beings. And uh, they had a beginning when God created them. Only God had no beginning. Now, that brings us to the next question. Do angels eventually die like humans? The, uh, the answer is no. We find in Luke 20, Christ is talking, and he says, But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world, speaking of saved people, and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Note this. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels. Angels don't die and after we die and go to heaven, we will die no more. And, and Christ says, they, they, us, won't die anymore. They will be equal with the angels. Angels are immortal, and they do not die like humans do. Also, angels do not reproduce. They don't have baby angels and, and keep multiplying. Uh, in Mark chapter 12, Christ made this statement. He said, for when they shall rise, speaking of, of people, when they shall rise from the dead... 
They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. There's no husbands and wives in heaven and, and, and having children and raising families. And, and, and you, you find that within Mormonism. You don't find that within the Bible. And uh, Christ used angels as a, a comparison here and says of us, but we are as the angels. So angels do not reproduce. Next question or at least statement, angels have an inside knowledge above man, note that, above man, but below God. And, and so we find they are superior creatures in some way. And in Christ, before he went back up to heaven, speaking of last day events, he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And what he implies here is nobody knows when Christ is coming back. Even the angels who have superior knowledge to man don't know when Christ is coming back. He says, but my Father only. Now, next question is, how about their power? Well, angels have less power than God, but more power than man. So again, they're, they're superior to us in intelligence uh, and in power. In fact, we find there's a king in the Old Testament by the name of Hezekiah, in fact, before um, we went to the Holy Land here about a year and a half, two years ago, they had found the seal from the ring of King Hezekiah, the son of Amaz. And, and I thought, it's the first thing they ever found evidencing that a King Hezekiah actually existed, which was thrilling. They were digging around the ruins of the city of David, and they found the actual seal. They would, they would roll up a document, they would melt wax on the seam, and he would put the impression of his ring in that, and they actually found it dating back to that time, and it said right on it, a King Hezekiah, son of Abraham's. And so they had their proof that, that Hezekiah existed. A lot of interesting things happened during the life of Hezekiah. And one was that the city was surrounded by Syrian soldiers, 185,000 of them. And it was at the same time Isaiah the prophet lived and such. And, and one angel came and overnight destroyed those 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. So think about the power of one angel. Yeah, angels uh, have less power than God, but more power than man. And we read in Second Peter 2.11, it mentions, whereas angels which are greater in power and might. So they're powerful. They're powerful. Now, something else about angels, they are organized and they have rankings. And, and uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, Michael, the archangel, is named in Jude chapter 9. Um, in Daniel chapter 10, it mentions chief princes, apparently having higher rank. In Isaiah 6, uh, where you see those six-winged creatures, you find those are cherubim or seraphims, actually. And then you find in Genesis 3.22, uh, the mentioning of cherubims. And so you find different rankings of, of angels, and apparently... Uh, very, very powerful, but, but organized as well. And, and we don't know exactly everything that goes on in heaven with the ordering in and out of them, but you can kind of envision it. You find angels ministering to Christ after he had fasted uh, for 40 days in the desert. You find them strengthening him in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. You find angels announcing his birth. We've been talking about that recently. In Bethlehem, we find that uh, um, angels showed up at his resurrection and explain what went on. And after he ascended up to heaven, 
They're standing there looking with their mouths open, and an angel comes by and said, this same Jesus is, is coming back again. It's really uh, interesting after you start looking in the Bible how many times they pop up and uh, how prevalent they are in the Word of God. Now, something else about angels, they provide protection. I like this one. Angels provide protection. We read in Psalm 91, it says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he, that is God, shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And there again, it's talking about protection. You and I will never know this side of heaven. How many times angels bailed us out? How many times angels protected us? Larry Clayton will, will quip and, and say with tongue in cheek, when he gets to heaven, he's taking his guardian angel out to eat. He really owes them a huge favor for all the times he bailed them out. We read this verse also in Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. So we find out that angels provide protection. I'm thankful for that. Also, angels carry out God's orders, and they're continually uh, ministering to, to, to the Lord in whatever various capacity it might be. We read in Psalm 103:20, bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his words. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, notice, that do his pleasure. They're continually carrying out God's orders. They're continually carrying messages from God. We saw one here in Daniel chapter 9 a moment ago, and there's, there's a few in the book of Daniel where they're delivering a message to Daniel. We find that uh, Gabriel delivered a message to Zacharias, the dad of John the Baptist, saying you're going to be the dad of this, this great prophet. And later on, Gabriel shows up again. He has a message for Mary this time. She's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And so they're continually doing that, carrying out the orders of God. Next question. Can angels control the weather and creation. I mean, are they that powerful where they actually can control weather or they can control nature as it were? Well, during the tribulation period in Revelation 7-1, John sees this. He says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. We're going to see next time that the devil actually can control the weather. And that's kind of surprising to a lot of people. And he's only a fallen angel. And yes, uh, angels can control the weather and they can control nature. And during the tribulation period, there are verses that talk about angels turning the sea into blood. Again, they're definitely more powerful than man, but not as powerful as God. Now, Let's talk for just a moment about angels and their active activities in the second coming of Christ and the final judgment. Uh, in Matthew 24, Christ is in the temple. The apostles, of all things, are trying to impress him about the improvements, the remodeling project of Herod, and he's not impressed. And he says to them that the day is coming when not one stone should be left upon another here. And that took place 40 years later when Titus destroyed the temple. And, and Christ goes on to describe end-time things. And he says this in Matthew 24, 31, speaking of God the Father, and he shall send his angels 
with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. We find angels here active at the second coming of Christ gathering together the elect from the four corners of heaven, from one corner of heaven to another. In chapter 16, Christ said, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. So that great mighty host of angelic beings are coming back with Christ one day at his second coming. Now, what is the message of angels to us? Let's close with this thought. You know, we want to make this practical. It's not just about something we can fill our heads with. What is the message of angels to us? Well, I can kind of connect a few dots for you here. In Luke 15, 7, Christ says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. You got to picture this in your mind, the joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. We've had folks saved here lately, and I've thought about the rejoicing and the noise even, if you will, that's going on amongst the host of heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Now, there's souls that have gone on to heaven right now already, and no doubt they're rejoicing. There's God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. They're rejoicing. But no doubt Christ is talking about the angels. And, and he says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. So what is their message to us? Well, I guess the challenge is for us to be busy reaching out to those in our circle of influence, trying to witness to them, trying to engage them in a Bible study, trying to bring them to Christ so that they would be saved. Because when that takes place, that's what the angels get excited about. Now, we've got the bison going to a national championship in a week or two, but, and, and if you're a bison fan, fan, forgive me, but the angels aren't going to rejoice if they win. They're not going to rejoice if you make a lot of money this year or you buy a new car. You might get excited about that, but they don't. There's a lot of things that the world gets excited about, Super Bowl and the World Series and whatever else, and heaven just yawns at it. But, but when one soul gets saved, the angels just have a spell. And, and, and heaven just erupts, and they get excited. And so let's focus on the main thing. You know, there was a preacher that uh, did a study on angels, and he, he often hear the expression of, of the, the voice of an angel. And so we, we expect that voice to be just kind of this uh, melodic, uh, angelic, this pleasing to the ear kind of a voice. And so he studied his Bible, and he said, what is really the voice of the angel? He did some research, and and he found that when angels talk in the Bible, they normally say either get up or hurry up. I mean, you study it sometime. And, and in, until he looked at it and examined his Bible, his thinking was kind of based on the, the delusion that an angel voice is just always some beautiful thing here. But he said the words get up and hurry up are found all over the place when spoken by angels. And we don't consider it beautiful when somebody tells us to get up or to hurry up. But you find an angel come to Peter in jail, and he says, rise quickly. You find an angel appear to Gideon, and he says, arise and go in this thy might. You find an angel appear to Elijah, and he says, arise and eat. You find an angel appear to Joseph in a dream and, and say, arise. Herod's slaughtering the infants, and, and uh, the angel says to Joseph, go quickly. An angel appears to Philip and says, arise and go, and on and on and on. 
And so it's kind of monotonous, really, if you look at it, but they always say the, the same thing. Arise. Hurry. And, and honestly, the king's business does require haste, folks. And angels want to see people come to Christ. And so may God help you and I to take heed to this admonition from these angelic beings. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.